Thank you for joining The Collective today. The Collective is a storytelling podcast interviewing hairstylists and makeup artists. On today's episode, Kristen interviews Erica Keelan, award-winning hairstylist and studio owner. Welcome, Erica. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you so much. I've been a big-time fan from afar, and so I'm so excited for you to to be able to do your interview with you today. Um, For our audience out there, we'd like to start with our first question, which is, who is Erica Keelan? Uh, Well, I am a salon owner, stylist, wife, daughter, not made it to mother yet, but I'm still considering that one at 42, so hopefully... (laughs) I'm a cat mom at this point um, and just lover of life. I'm, I'm really, I've been exploring myself the past few years mentally and like spiritually and um, trying to figure myself out and others out, not necessarily others out, but understanding others more. Well, that's certainly uh, on all of our minds right now with what's going on in the world and um being open-minded and open-hearted, I, I, I appreciate that. I'm going through that as well. So tell me a little bit about how you got started in the industry. Um, well, I have always wanted to do hair. I, I think that was just something naturally given to me because I wasn't able to read and write very well. I'm dyslexic at, and I guess in first grade, they realized I was memorizing and not reading. So that memory actually helps a lot with, I feel like our jobs, because like I remember stupid shit that my clients tell me and I'm always like, I'll bring it up and they're like, how'd you remember that? But I think that was almost like a defense thing that I was given, like to be able to memorize. So um, never really did good in school, always was passionate about hair. And so when mom and dad told me I had to go to college because I was the first of four kids to not go to college. And they were like gung-ho, had to go to college. So they entertained me and let me go to hair school for a year. But with the intentions of I was going to have to still go to college. And in my mind, I was like, screw that. If I get through hair school, I'm not going to college. (laughs) I barely made it through high school. Get me out of here. So I went to a small hair school in North Carolina. Um, It was a small school in Fedville, North Carolina, where, um, you know, it was very diverse in my opinion. I feel like we were all made to do everything because I just watched something on like some of the cosmetology schools now. And I know you've been an educator, but my school was very diverse. I learned how to do every hair type. So I definitely do more like of a Caucasian clientele, but I've always been comfortable doing everything because in school I learned how to do everything and we were forced to do everybody's hair. So I've always had a passion for textured hair, straight hair, colored hair, braids, everything. I've always loved anything hair. So once, you know, I got through with hair school, I moved into a salon and um, really didn't take hair seriously for the first 10 years of my career. Wow. I was a partier. Um, I made a lot of money for a 19 to 29, 30 year old. Um, cause I really wasted from probably 19 to about 30, um, on just not taking my career seriously. I loved what I did. I was good at what I did. I could throw a bob out real quick. I could throw that base color on quick, but I just wasn't serious. I was a partier. I 
worked in nice salons, so I always had, uh, you know, made decent amount of money to live and get by on. Um, but at 30, I started working in what I would call a, it wasn't a more corporate salon at the time. It was one of my best friends opened a salon and it was the first time I had ever been taught how to look at my numbers, know how many clients a day I was getting, doing all of that kind of stuff, um, which honestly I needed. Like I say, I hadn't taken hairdressing seriously. So I really got into knowing how many clients a day I had, the retail service or the retail ticket, the service ticket, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then um, I was there for seven years or six years and really learned a lot, but had really at that point got burnt out behind the chair because it was, you know, get 10 clients in a day at, you know, a service ticket of, you know, $180 with a retail ticket of $35, you know, like all of those numbers had really where I needed that. It had really drained me too. So I really got into doing the photo shoots. And um, I guess I was there for about two years trying to live that life and do what I had found was my passion, which was competitions. And that's mm. what I feel like a lot of people know me for. They don't know that I do just regular hair behind the chair. They think that all I do is fashion color. And that's not what I do behind the chair. I've probably gotten paid for fashion colors 10 times in my career. Um, a lot of the fashion colors is just the fun. It's my artistic outlet. Um, and so I got into competitions and that's where it was addictive. Um, I don't think that I'm a super competitive person. Like I'm never mad if I don't win. I love helping others. Um, I have a lot of girls at the salon who are entering competitions now and I love coaching them, but I just love that artistic outlet. That's what keeps me inspired to do the everyday behind the chair stuff. And so Three and a half years ago, it led me to opening my own salon. Very good. And that's where I got to Studio Sage. And now, you know, my salon, I did not want artwork from other people. Everything that is in our salon, someone from my salon created. I don't think there is a photo. There's one photo up that I did in the salon, but it's everybody else's work. It's wow. We work as a team. Um, and there's some girls at our salon that aren't into the photography stuff. They just like being around that energy. They like being around the creativity. Um, and honestly, when I opened studio Sage, I also wanted what I was looking for. And I knew I never wanted to work for anybody else again when I left my last, last salon. But I also wanted to be a part of a team. Like I went and looked at Solas. I went and looked at like the booth rental or not booth rental, the studio suites, you know, mm -hmm. at that time, Sola was the only one we had here in Jacksonville. And I just didn't want to be in a little box by myself. I wanted to still have a team. So we set ours up to where we're kind of a hybrid. Um, everybody is paid on commission, but it's um, a 30% or a, they get paid 70% commission and then they buy their own hair color. Um okay. We're technically set up as if it was legal, they are technically booth rentals. Like I can't set um, a dress code. I can't set times that they have to be there. Um, but our girls don't get a, 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 a chair for the week. They technically get the chair for the day. Oh, okay. 
So it's set up like that. And then the salon provides all back bar. We provide support staff and the support staff can check in your clients. They can shampoo your clients. Um, and the support staff is our next generation of hairdressers. They're the girls that are either in hair school or freshly out of hair school. Mm -hmm. And um, I train them one-on-one. Being dyslexic, I don't do well with test outs. And I had worked at other salons that had great apprenticeship programs. And I'll never, never bash them. But they had to do test outs. And being somebody, I didn't know what anxiety, that I had anxiety until two years ago. I didn't know that that feeling before a test was anxiety. That would almost cripple me from even taking the test because I was so nervous. Right. so I, I do hands-on training and if I'm doing a balayage, they're doing the back of the head, you know, so we split it up and we work together. Um, and that's, that's how our girls out of school are being trained now. That's fantastic. Yeah. A lot of people have, um, that learning style, you know, they use their body to help remember, you know, obviously the verbal knowledge and even some written, you know, just making it all click, but they, that's the third element. They need to do it to remember it and to understand it. So that's very good. Yeah. And I mean, even at 42 years old, been in the industry 22 years, I, not every head I do, I don't have I do have some specific patterns that I do with my fulling or my balayage or, but every, every head and look is different. You have to be kind of like, I'm just so artistic and visual. I've had to really work over the past like five years because I do want to be a leader and an educator. And I like to coach people. I had to teach myself how to educate everybody. Mm, yeah. yeah. Not just that. Don't you visually see what I'm thinking, you know, cause I used to, <laughs> I could draw it out and I expected you to understand what I was going to do. And they just, people couldn't do that. So I've had to teach myself how to, or by watching others. And I have taken a few courses on how to um, teach everyone because we do all learn differently. Yeah. That's Um, amazing. I mean, growth for you, you know? Um, And I think that that's important. And uh, we've talked about that just ever growing and, and staying open and relevant. And, um, you can never not know enough. I feel like you always have to educate yourself and be willing to learn. I mean, that's, that's a big part of what our country's asking for right now is just absolutely educate yourself and be willing, you know, to see things maybe in a different light or, um, so yeah, I try to understand everybody's education styles, lifestyles, um, I'm not trying to, you know, can't even talk political anymore because it's gotten too emotional. Um, But, yeah, just try to understand everybody's learning abilities and um, try to try to help all. Because my goal is, I guess I've kind of realized my way of helping others is through teaching them what has taught me or what has been able to me provide for myself which is hair hair has doing hair and now I want to teach others okay this is a career that you can make good money at and you can like I've watched girls go from unhappy marriages that they were only in because the man was paying all the bills to hitting the floor starting to make money you know how many girls I've seen as soon as they start making money get out of them unhappy relationships um and or 
never thought they'd be able to move out of their parents' houses. And that's where I feel like I've, like, that's my calling is to help people through hair. Right. That's, it's very empowering uh, being able to help someone, uh, you know, see that in themselves to see, to be empowered. And that's empowering for yourself as, you know, in a, a coaching position or a mentor. And I've got like a girl that works with me right now who I've known for five or six years. I've watched her lose her child, get her child back. Now she just finished hair school. And I mean, I'm more emotional about her finishing hair school. And she's 32 years old, you know, like. Right. Because it it, is something she's wanted to do. She went at 18. She got knocked up at 18 or 19. She got pregnant while she was in school. It stopped her from continuing in her dreams. And then she worked front desk at a hair salon for a while. And that's where I met her. And then, you know, so I've watching her grow is so like, I love watching her grow. I think that that, and and watching her be able to, you know, take care of her daughter now and do all these things. And it's just something that she always wanted to do. And I was, you know, at 18, lucky enough that my mom and dad really pushed me like, I barely, like I said, I barely graduated high school. Luckily, I had them there to push me through hair school because if I wouldn't have done it at 18, I would have never been able to do it at 32. And so I love being able to push her and help her get through it. And um, I mean, that's just that's where I found my mission is or my goal or, or peace or helping or whatever. It's Now I just start mumbling. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, it's uh. It, it's inspiring because I feel like, you know, what we go through um, and we can get and when once we go through it, we have that to share for others yeah. and to help support them. And so you had mentioned you had um, you never really realized that you were having anxiety and you had some difficult times and you're just kind of, you know, diving into yourself. And I feel like at any age, at any time, that's like the most important thing is to keep growing and understanding yourself. And the more you understand yourself, the more you're going to understand others. And so what, what type of things have happened to you since you've been, you know, a salon owner or a coach that has making, made you take a step back and reevaluate yourself and, you know, really take care of yourself because I I'm a big believer, even though I don't practice it always is that, you know, and I know it's kind of overdone, but if we don't love ourselves or understand ourselves and especially being in this business of it's a relationship building business, whether that's with your teammates, your employees, uh, or certainly, you know, your clients, you know, you've got to understand yourself. So what things have you been through, you know, in the last few years that have really make you made you grow? Well, within six months of opening our salon, I found out my mom was sick. She had um, a glioblastic brain tumor, which um, luckily it was only a six month. She was not suffering long, but she passed within or six weeks. Sorry, she passed within six weeks of us even finding out she was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had a brand new business that I had. And luckily I was able to take um I was pretty much able to take that whole time off to go up there and take care of her. And, you know, and so then immediately after that, my father, who they had been married 60 years, um, he started having skin. Well, he has always had skin cancer issues, but 
it turned into melanoma and then it turned into a Merkel cell carcinoma. And so another year and a half of caregiving. So he passed about a year ago. So about the past three years, I've been caregiving for elderly parents that, you know, passed. And when my mom, when my mom passed, I really, really dove into a lot of helping other stylists at my salon with their competition work. I was inviting all the national artists to Jacksonville. We were doing a lot of collaborations and I was, I really hid with that. And so the first year I didn't realize I was dealing with anxiety as bad as I was because I was hiding, I was hiding my depression with just keeping myself super busy. I was at a hair show all the time. I was constantly had somebody in Jacksonville doing a photo shoot. And um, so then once my dad got sick and I was really dealing with who, him and right before he died, about two months before he died, my business partner who had really been running the salon mostly, I was kind of in, in charge of all, all, all the artistic stuff. Her and my husband kind of ran the business side of things. She was six months pregnant and had a baby at six months pregnant. Wow. So the last two months of my father's life, not only was I dealing with that, but I was completely running the salon by myself um, and trying to go take care of my dad, but run the salon because she had a brand new baby. I didn't expect her in the salon. My thing was my father's had a great life. I'll, I'll take care of the salon. You got to keep that baby alive. And so right. I didn't want her to think about the salon and me and my husband tried to run it, but I didn't realize how hard that was because she had always been there when I had had stuff going on before. Like when my mom was sick, people went to her. Well, when she's gone and my dad's dying and we've now got twice as many as employees now as we did two years ago or a year and a half ago when my mom died. So I had the stress of all of my clients, you know, and you don't realize how draining listening to six to eight clients a day, plus my, 10 to 15 employees that needed my attention and then my family. Um, so I really, 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 I would say have had pretty much a meltdown um, and was not a good coach. I was not, um, I just couldn't listen to everybody. And at that point, I didn't know how to say it to everybody but I kind of had always felt like I had been the listener for them. And I expected them to just understand that I was going through a lot right then and excuse me. And I had my first walk out at the salon. They didn't understand. Um, and looking back, it was the best thing that could have happened. You know, that was trimming the fat. Those were, you know, the people that don't understand when you're that weak. Um, it just, it wasn't a right fit for me and I'm glad it happened. I, I don't wish anything bad for to anybody that left, but I really, and when it happened, I really realized I needed to figure out what was wrong with me. And cause at that point I was just angry. I'm like, why are they doing this to me? They know my dad just died. They know this. Like I didn't understand. I took it personal. I didn't take it business. I took it like these were my, and they, they had been my friends. Um, but I had, I really with therapy and, um, talking to a therapist and kind of sitting back and seeing everybody's side of things is they were used to me being the one that they could go to and talk to, even if it was about their husband, if it had nothing to do with hair, 
and I had not been there. I had had so much other stuff going on that I just, I couldn't pat him on the back and say, how are you doing today? Because right. my anxiety was so bad. I was coming to work and I didn't know what was, I didn't know that this was going on. Like I didn't know how like short and unattentive I had been towards others. I was just trying to get through the day and not cry, you know, like right. I'm somebody that holds things in. I didn't want to cry to every client, but I really just needed to sit my ass at home for a couple of weeks and cry. And I just never did it. I went to work and I thought going to work would keep my mind off things. And I, and I really had a breakdown. Um, and it took three people who I looked, I loved dearly. And I almost like felt like I had, you know, kind of done a lot with and I just didn't feel like they understood me when I felt like I needed to be understood. And it wasn't all that. They needed to do their thing. That It was time for them to fly. I'm not a salon owner that puts non-competes on people. I don't do that shit. You can go wherever you want to. Um, but knowing that they opened a full salon behind my back and I never even picked up on it, that's what hurt so bad. Because I pick up on people's energy. I knew something was going on because you pick up on the energy. And when it got to the point that I got one day, I couldn't even walk in my salon that my anxiety was so bad. Um, wow. I had to I had to get help. And people don't see that side of me because I always w- was so good with coaching others. And and I've never taken a coaching class. I like I was telling you in our pre-interview that like I'm having to learn how to be a leader because I wasn't I was never taught that I was always a hairdresser. And then I opened a salon basically because this kind of salon was open here and my husband who has an MBA who helps me run the salon um but I say he has MBA I have the heart you know mm-hmm. like That's I great. still have to I still want to keep that heart in my business and I'm going to um and I had to look at that you know my walkout situation is how am I going to fix myself because I had hid behind my industry and my career and my job to get me through a lot of stuff, but I was totally melting, melting down and, um, I didn't want that to happen anymore. So I've gotten help for it. I know what anxiety is now. I didn't know what anxiety was. I'd been having anxiety for years, even in the corporate salon. I had worked at years, you know, for six years, I didn't realize when I would have to step away from a client and go lay in the bathroom because my heart was going crazy. I thought it was because I hadn't eaten or my sugar was low. It was because not only at that point was I taking care of my client, but there was somebody standing there going, your other clients here. Another stylist would walk up to me and ask me for help. It was all of that stuff happening at once. And I just didn't realize that was anxiety. Um, And then, you know, years later when it starts happening again, um, but way worse. I mean, to a whole nother level to where I couldn't even go to work. Um, I had to, I had to figure it out and, 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 you know, do some soul searching and, and realize, I think that's what a lot of people need to do right now. And that's what, um, this whole movement I feel like is about is just sitting back and realizing maybe I don't see it through that person's eyes. I don't understand what they went through or I don't understand what they're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and as hairdressers, we have to do that all day long with a client. 
you know, with your different clients. Um, and I'm glad I've gotten help therapy. I, you know, I had never had therapy until I was 41 years old. I, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way. And I, this, I, I had a picture perfect childhood, you know, other than being dyslexic and being ashamed of that. I didn't have a ton of bad things happen to me. Now I realize I was uneducated in some history and maybe what really happened in the past. And I'm trying to educate myself on that kind of stuff now. And that my family maybe didn't talk about big subjects. They just chose to ignore them or don't talk about them and maybe they'll go away. Um, but yeah. I kind of got on a tangent there. Oh no, I I love it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Don't don't apologize for any of it. I I feel like um, being a stylist myself. I think that what's so important for us is being, you know, a mentor to the person in our chair or listening. And I'm a I'm big about the energy. And I don't think that uh, people understand if they're not a hairstylist that no the energy we have to absorb, whether it's good or bad, it could be fantastic and someone's in the best place in their life and you're so hyped for them and the whole, you know, hour, two hours that they're with you. And then the very next person you come in are at the lowest part. And it is the pendulum is swinging so much that if we, our cups are empty. And certainly when I was listening to you thinking about 10 to 15 employees, um, you're all your guests, um, your family, and if I do recall, is not close to you, so it's not like they're down the road that you know. No, they're in North Carolina, right? Carolina. And so, trying to be, you know, caregiving. I'm doing that like in the same household, and it's a lot. I can't imagine being three states away. That's a whole other thing. That your cup eventually is so empty, there's nothing to give, and oh. then the people around you that are used to you being that person to fill them up, you have nothing to give. And I know that sounds cliche, but at so some true. point it's just, it just stops. You, you can't do anymore. And, and I, I've said this for years, I had a big life change and this isn't about me, but back right when I was finishing hair school, I had a big, everything that could go happen, happen. And I finally had to flip the switch and say, this isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of like what you've been through the last year is what this has all happened. Like you said, you don't know, ill wishes, but in retrospect, it broke your heart that these, that this was, you know, they built a salon and they left you, you know, in the midst of your heartache, but in the long run, it's probably in yes. hindsight, the best thing that was to happen for them and for uh, you, you know? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, you know, my salon's been open three years and there's two other salons that have opened up from people who have worked there. I'm not ashamed Absolutely. of that. A lot of salon owners, will, it's about the money. It's not about the money for me. Me and my business partner did not get ourselves into anything that we couldn't handle on our own. Right. Um, we just we just tried not to because we didn't want to be those salon owners. But I wanted to create the environment that was that was positive and we could all like, you know, do our everyday hair, but then come in and jam out and do like a cool ass photo shoot on the weekends. And I think that I had gotten so wrapped up in helping others with that, 
that that's why it was so devastating to me. And yeah. I wasn't able to look at it as, because what hurt too is that they didn't feel like they could come and talk to us. They were there for two months, planned a whole nother salon out. And you do pick up on that energy, you know, energy. Mm-hmm. And I do, I feel like I, I know energy and I just couldn't put my finger on what was going on, but I knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was the best for them. It was the best for us. And, and I've grown from it and I've explored myself and I'm get, not going to change who I am. It's just that true of, I had, you're exactly right. I had helped them for so long that it was my, I couldn't help anymore. I, I lost a lot of, I lost a lot of clients during that time. And it was the, you know, I've been doing a lot of like, there's this one podcast that I listen to a lot. It's called the mind love podcast. And it's about a lot of this stuff and the word energy vampires. I had never heard. Oh yes. I use Uh, that term. Very good. But I lost a lot of the energy vampire clients and people out of my life that I could not help anymore. They didn't care about helping me. They didn't ever call me to check on me. I normally called them. I'd see a post that I could tell they were sad or something. And I'd call them and check on them, which is fine. I don't do it for anybody to call me. I just, I am, I'm a caller. I talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a texter because of the dyslexic thing. I'm, I'm a talker. Um, and the word energy vampire, when I learned that word, I was like, okay, that makes so much sense. And, um, you know, you just kind of have to look at it like that. Um, and don't wish me anything bad. It is what it is, but it, it helped me take a look at myself. And some of the clients I lost were clients that I have always been able to bounce from this person And I mean, I can go from the most liberal, democratic, and I hate to even use the word democratic and Republican, you know, the most open-minded liberal person to the most closed-minded conservative Southern person. You know what I mean? Because I was raised in the South, but I really, really am an open-minded. I was the kid that constantly challenged my parents on everything. Why can't I do that? Well, you know, like. If I wouldn't have been, if I wouldn't have been dyslexic, I'd have probably, my debating skills were really good. I could have been a lawyer. Um, (laughs) Very good. (laughs) But, you know, that whole reading thing always threw me off. And if I wasn't good at something, I just didn't want to do it. So if I wasn't good at reading, I just didn't do it. But debating, I was always good at. And I always like to question my parents. You know, my mom had a brother that was gay and died of AIDS in the early 80s. Or no, no, no. He died in the late 80s, but he was diagnosed in the late 70s. He he came and my mom, he lived in San Francisco, but she never, he lived in San Francisco, moved to North Carolina when he got sick. And my mom and my grandma took care of him, but never acknowledged he was gay or died of AIDS. My mom told him he, he died of pneumonia. And that man that was his roommate that came to visit was just his friend. Um, And so like, that's how I was raised to just not talk about things. And mental illness was one of those things too. Um, so I'm really exploring talking about things that maybe have been ignored in my past or my, my family that I want to find the why, um, why it was like that, why people from the South don't want to talk about things that are open. And I was that kid that always made my mom like when I found out he died of AIDS, when I was like 16 and I confronted my mom about it, 
And she continuously told me he didn't die of AIDS. I was like, I know he did. I know he did. But in her mind, if she admitted that, he was going to hell and she was a Christian. So then I tried to understand her side of things, too, because that was my loving mom. And if she believed he was gay and died of AIDS, he was going to hell. So I've always I always try to understand both sides of things. I wanted to understand him and who he was, but I also had to understand her. Um, and I think with everything going on right now, maybe it's teaching me that I need to open my mouth a little bit more. I always did to my parents and had no problem defending anybody else to my parents. But in the real world, sometimes I'm not always great at defending others. I kind of step back. And so I'm trying to be a better voice. Um, and that's kind of from, and I think, I think in our industry, being able to, to talk to both sides is a good thing. Um, but I'm going to start to, I don't necessarily want to debate, but I'm not going to say as quiet as I used to. I don't feel like if somebody's being rude, I'm going to tell them they're being rude. I'm not just going to ignore it and be like, oh, that's just them. Yeah, it's, I think that that's important for all of us, um, especially those of us that have, like I say, like superpowers in the soft skills, mm-hmm. like you can read people, read the energy and um, whether that's outside of and that may be what led you also to being, you know, loving the industry. Um, but yeah, I, I, I said something to someone the other day. I said, you know, we're all raised. And when did it start that you don't talk about sex? religion or politics. And I said, and that is why we can't talk about sex, religion or politics, because we have always been told you don't discuss those things. So we have no skills to talk about it and be on different pages and being okay with that. And then that leads to being open. And and I think I do see, uh, I feel like there in every tragedy, there's a blessing or an opportunity and is as horrible as it is, for anybody to lose their life, you know, I think that it's not in vain if this many people are changing their thought process and supporting another human being. So, uh, you know, I, I'm right there with you and I, it, I admire people, especially like you said, like why, where did it start? That's, I think that's all of our goal is like, how did this mentality and why in one part it's one way and in another part of the world or in the United States, it's different. And, and so that making, I think the more that we talk about it in a calm manner makes it, you know, more comfortable for people. And that's just the way we're going to grow. So um, I love that, you know, that you're going through this, all this evolution. And then now you're being, we're all being forced to. Evolve. Yeah, it was, it was like the beginning of this year. It was like, oh, this is going to be a great year. It couldn't have been worse than my past couple years. And I still don't think it is. I mean, I think that it's just a growing year, you know, yeah, it is. It's, a, it's a, this is just that one more layer of me learning about myself. Like I say, I had great parents, but they didn't educate me in a lot of these things. It was just not talked about. Right. Um, and with me being a hairdresser, I've always wanted to talk about things. Uh, you know, I remember like one of my first Jewish clients. I mean, being raised in the South, I didn't know any Jewish people. I'm sure I asked some of the most racist questions, but I was just trying to educate myself. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about Judy, like the Jewish religion. I didn't know. Um, so I hope I didn't offend, you know, that would have been 20 years ago. But 
I always had a lot of questions because I really wanted to know. Um, and I'm looking back at things now and I'm like, oh, I hope that person didn't take that that way because I really did want to know. Right. I have always truly wanted to understand. Like the other day, we were having a similar con- conversation at my salon with a couple of the girls. It was at the end of the night. And I don't think about because I don't look at people for the color of their skins, but I know a lot of other people do. And we have a Puerto Rican girl, a Puerto Rican stylist. We have a mixed um, African-American Caucasian stylist. And she mostly works with textured hair. And our Puerto Rican stylist, who I don't, I'm just, I hate to describe people that way, but it tells the story. Um, She told me that the first time that working in our salon was the first time she's had hugs from white women like she gets. Like, because, you know, we hug. Even even after the pandemic, it's been tough, but I still like to hug my girls. I like to, you know, good morning, how are you? And uh-huh. when she told me that, it broke my heart. And she actually said it about Jessica, my business partner. And so now I go out, because I always hugged Josie, but Jessica hugs her every day. And when she hugged her, or when she said that to me, it, it made me tear up that that this is 2020 and people who have been raised in America feel that way. That's crazy, but it, it's an eye opener. That was a little educational moment, like to of a per, perception, like what? Like in and your I, mind, you didn't think anything other of other. Why would someone not hug you? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and wow. she and I looked at her and I said. Uh, and I and I like I said I'm gonna be honest with you you met me after because she met me only a year ago and I've had she met me right in the thick of things with my mental breakdown and so I've not been hugging I've not and it made me click and so the next day I didn't do it right then I didn't let her know she probably will listen to this and know how much that touched me now Mm -hmm. but the next day I just went up to her and I gave her a big hug. I said, I'm going to hug you every day now too. You made me realize that I haven't been myself. I was a hugger, but you met me after everything had happened in my life. And I've had so many like, like barriers up over the past few years, like past year. I don't want you to think that, you know, I'm a hugger too. Like, because she said it about my business partner and and I had always hugged her here and there, but I just wasn't as the way I used to be. And it kind of made me snap back. And I don't care about COVID right now. I care more about people. And if I'm, I'm going to hug her every day, because it just, not every day, you know, I'm not going to change who I am, but it made me think like, oh my God, a hug is that impactful. And it's just a hug. Right. That's why I hate COVID right now, because we ain't been getting no hugs lately. I know. We need it. We need it. <laughs> that, we do. That energy is so important. Um, and, and like I say, it made me realize I've not been as touchy-feely as, as I used to be, because I've had some barriers up. You know, my mom was the person I always called when I was having a rough time and I needed to talk to somebody about, even if she had a total opposite opinion, I could call her and talk to her about it because I couldn't talk to anybody else. And, you know, she was somebody who I always valued their opinion, even though now I'm realizing maybe we, we should have talked about a few more things. Um, <laughs> right. But that's okay. Now you can, but that's okay. That's, 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 that's what I think 
this movement is about is so we can all start talking about things because I don't think we realize, like I never realized this woman's worked for me for a year that something as simple as a hug has made her day, has made her feel accepted in our salon. Cause I never looked at her as any, anything different than anybody else, but that doesn't mean that she hasn't always felt that way. Right. Yeah. It's, um, we don't know what goes on in someone's head. And that's kind of kind of kind of segues into something that you had mentioned that you're super passionate about. And you've had a couple couple little it didn't get taken, didn't take off as fast as you wanted. And something that you're you we know, like you said, everyone knows that they may not realize that you're behind the chair actually just doing everyday hair for making people feel beautiful, because what we know you for is competition work and Mm -hmm. um, your creative outlet, which you had mentioned, you just dove headfirst into that and kept yourself so busy. So it could have been worse things that you were addicted to and hiding with, but um, you really want to become um, or advance your competitive coaching for others. So tell me a little bit about that and what that looks like for you and your salon and opportunities that you've had and that you want to do moving forward. Yeah. You know, and honestly, that's going to be more my, um, probably more my passion project than anything because anybody that I've, I've been, I have been coaching people over the past few years. Um, I just enjoy that part of it. I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it for the pure, like watching others win something and like accomplish something is so rewarding. Uh, and so I've had Sarah Jane Maples, whose name's Blush in Maine on Instagram, who has worked at our salon for about the past, I'd say about the past two years. She is a bridal stylist. She does not work behind the chair. She helps us. She's She has helped us with social media. But I've coached her the past. Now I don't have to coach her anymore. That girl is, she is her own thing. We all know who she is. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, when she first started coming to our salon, she didn't even work there. She just was coming to our photo shoots and we would we do a collaboration with um, a stylist. There was a stylist. There's a stylist, Danielle Kiesling from Savannah, who came down and Sarah Jane. We all did a collaboration together. And then um, Rebecca Taylor's been out. There's just been a lot of different people to come out. And me and Sarah Jane just really hit it off. Her, She's an incredible stylist. And then she led into working at our salon. Um but she's one that I've coached. Now, granted, the day she did her Naha, I was not there. She did it all on her own. I was there the night she won Naha, and I couldn't have been more proud. I mean, I'm one that gets embarrassed if it's me. But if it's you and you're my friend and I've watched you get there, I'm going to be so proud for you. Me, I get really nervous. And, like, if I, if I were to win a competition and I have to go up on stage, like, I start mumbling because I just I get nervous. Um, but I love watching others do it. And it's that's more fulfilling fulfilling for me than actually doing it myself. So um, we've had her. Then different people have came in and we've done stuff. Like I have this girl, Melody. And Melody's from Ohio. Honestly, I met Melody online. She always liked my work. I invited her to come and do I, I told her she'd pay. I told her she would pay for her plane ticket and um if she'd pay for Dorena to do her photo shoot, I'd let her come shoot my salon for free. And I coached her. She won one of Pravana's um, categories this year with Show Us Your Vivids. 
she placed in two or three of them and then she won her one of the categories um and that was crazy fulfilling that, that I love doing that kind of stuff and kind of giving back showing people that they can do this stuff because I realize I'm lucky that I befriended Jarena about six years ago and we really click and I feel like our eyes together really can create some beautiful image imagery and I just want to show other people how to do that um so that's really been my passion I was really going to try to keep that up at the beginning of last year and I think I started in January and February, like really trying to promote that. And in March, my dad was had had his cancer came back, so um, he got sick, and then everything else. And then I had to then I had my mental stuff that I really had to sit back and figure out myself. And I, I feel like I'm strong enough now, and I've learned from it, and I I can be understanding that I want to start that back up again because I really love watching others create. Um, because what we do every day behind the chair is not always this fun stuff. And then putting the wardrobe and the makeup and having Jarena take that photo, it's just, it's so fulfilling. And it's just beautiful. It's artwork. You know, this is my artwork. Um, and then there is some hair in there, you know, that we do. <laughs> yeah, just some. I think There's that some... it's, it's uh, it feeds your soul to be able to collaborate with and when I say like minds not meaning they see it the same mm-hmm. but that they're just as passionate about a project and then being able to see something new through their eyes like a photographer or a stylist or you know a makeup artist and just seeing that all come together is um just probably so 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 fulfilling and you know I think it says a lot to be able to like you one of the very few or maybe only environments set up um, in the city, you know, we don't get a lot of that uh, for stylists to be around. And like you said, you have some that in that work in your salon, that part of your team, that that's not their niche, but they have to feed off that energy. It just creates more creativity for them. Um, and they come and assist on those days. They come to watch it, but they don't, that's not yeah. necessarily their thing, but they enjoy being around it. And then, you know, we do reap the benefits of like Christopher Benson coming to town to want to do a collaboration with us. And I should just use the word collaboration instead of coaching. Cause really it's a collaboration of minds. Um, like he'll come to town to do a collaboration, but then he'll give a class. Right. Um, and so, you know, they get, they get to bounce off all of that. And it's really, it's really cool. And I'm going to be honest with you. We're not having hair shows for the next few, you know, I'd say at least a year. So this kind of stuff, he and I, and me and different artists have been talking about kind of putting some stuff together just to start doing it here at the salon. Cause we do classes a lot at my salon. Um, but really, you know, after the summer focusing on at least one a month, um, and, you know, even doing like I've thought about with my Naha collection this year, selling five tickets so, so people can come in and really, really be part of that experience. Um, or I guess not even really selling tickets. I could just I, I guess figuring out how to do that to where I always have my girls from the salon that are really I hate to say it. They're my team and it, it kind of we bounce off each other. So when other people come in, 
we have to make sure that it's there's there's enough for for everybody. You know mm. what I mean? Because because I don't want anybody to ever feel like that they didn't get their chance. Um, but sometimes the Naha shoots and stuff like right now I've been trying to decide, do we charge or do we not? Cause if it's a class, I can get sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. If I'm just giving away, which is really what I've been doing over the past three years with a lot of this stuff, we do sell tickets for some of the classes that people have to fly in for, but a lot of our own stuff, we, I just let people, people contact me all the time. And then they end up assisting, and next thing you know, they're working at the salon just from contacting me on social media to come and assist at something. I don't as much as I used to put out. Um, I used to just, hey, does anybody want to come and assist this photo shoot? But what happened, people would say they were going to come and assist in the beginning, and then day off, I'd have two people. I'd always say yes to two people to come and assist, and they wouldn't show up. Mm. So... Right now, I've kind of built my little group of people that I know are going to show up and do their job. Um, I've got to just figure out how to add that because I still want to be adding and letting more people come into the group and help out. It's just, um, like I say, I got burned a couple times with just posting with people on Instagram. Oh, yeah, come on in. And then they wouldn't show up. And then I'd be in a, then I wouldn't have anybody. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we got to figure out how we want to do that because you've never actually been to the salon. Um, you've reached out about different things, and you're always welcome. Um, we should just go ahead and set up a collaboration at the end of this phone call and get <laughs> you. you. Push me. I know. I was telling uh, Sammy Skinner that's something I've got to try to every year on my career goals that I'm going to do at least one competition, and then I always find excuses, and it's just having somebody to push you, you know, to say this is. Yeah. We're this and this is when you're going to do it and this is how you're going to, you know and then uh, you know you get in there and it's just releasing the the creative beast you know so yeah. and uh, Sammy's one that comes and shoots at our salon too and yeah. she comes yeah. and jams with us and and you know that's always a touchy situation for me when I know I'm talking to somebody online that works at another salon in my area I don't ever want them to think I want them right. to come and play I am never, I am not the person that reaches out to stylists, you know, like for any other reason other than, oh, they've got a creative mind, come play with us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a new thing over, you know, like five years ago, you didn't meet stylists from your area online and befriend them. Right. And now we're doing that. So there, there can be lots of change in this, in the world, you know, like, um, like, Five years ago, you a lot of times only knew the stylist in your salon. You didn't know who were at the other salons around. Now, I typically know other stylists. Like, there's a stylist that lives downtown Jacksonville that works in another salon that I love the way she cuts hair. I saw her at a hair show. We start talking. And a week later, she comes and cuts my hair. You know, like, I always, I love people with like minds and the art artistic side of things so I really have created an environment that I want anybody to feel comfortable in um and we we have a great photo studio to to I think that's a good way to to meet people I've met a lot of stylists from the area that have reached out um yeah 
Sorry, I get to mumble in sometimes. No, you're not. You're you're fine. You're so much good information. I think that I've always admired that I told you earlier your business um, model for your salon, um, just for my own personal uh, selfishness. But um, I also just learned, I watched um, a webinar and they were talking about the pyramid and the hierarchy and how we get, people get confused that your passion is your purpose and and then if that doesn't, your passion doesn't provide for you, that it's confusing. And I think that you and your salon and what you're doing with your life is the epitome of it is that if you think about a pyramid and the foundation is your purpose is you have a salon, you make people beautiful, you create an environment for others to do the same. And at the top of the pyramid, you know, and you have your other then that provides, you know, the bottom provides your food and and your shelter and, you know, all your basic needs. And at the top of the pyramid is where our passion lives and we don't pay enough attention to it and realizing that they're very separate um, and that you have created an environment to have both. And your passion is the creative part. Your passion now is evolving into coaching others into believing in themselves or exploring the creative part. And so I think it's just amazing. And I, I think that you definitely can figure out a way with the way the times are. Uh, uh, and still be integrity in your business of maybe it's a VIP invite and there's still a monetary investment. Maybe it's lower than what you've ever done before. But I feel like if people invest money, even if it's a small amount, they're still making an investment and they're, they're more assured to be a part of something. Yeah. And if they're invited to that, then that's also a, a nice thing. Um, and so that may be where you go with that. Um, but I think that you have such an incredible model of of um, lifestyle for your team and for yourself. And I just, you know, I hope that you just keep evolving and it feels like this is the time for all of us to do that. So if you yes. um, and you're, very if you're modest, not ready to evolve, evolve right now, you're definitely getting left behind. That's exactly that's, right. You, you're being very modest about your what you do because you have a list, a long list of winning accolades of competitive work um, for those that don't know um, and associations and print work. And um, it's it's just a blessing for people to be able to be around you being so vulnerable and transparent and being, a you know, just an, a, a person that wants to touch people and share your experience for what you've pushed yourself to do and what you're passionate about. So that's going to lead me to our last question. Um, what would 2020 Erica tell 2010 Erica if she could? Um, definitely take care of your mental more. I mean, the way, going back to the way I was raised, I never really believed in mental illness until it happened to me. So I would have educated myself probably more on me and, um, you know, where the artistic side of things got me through a lot. And I will never look back on that and regret any of that. I probably should have taken care of me a little bit more. Um, but I'm learning to do that. Um, and, you know, 2010. Now, if you took me back to 20 to 2000, I'd have a lot more to say to myself. But 
2010 to 2020, I was working hard on getting my, me going or get my business going. And um, I guess I would just say take more care of yourself. Okay. That's an important thing. So that, that yeah. Because I, I was more worried about taking care of others. And, and you, you need to be that way. Don't get me wrong. I still want to continue to be that way. But, um, you know, you do have to take care of yourself. And if that's nothing more than meditation, I do yoga, I work out, um, talking to a therapist. Um, yeah, work on you more. Keep your keep your cup full. <laughs> yep. For all you that can't you, help, you can't help nobody else. Um, if you, yeah, and, if you're depleted, yes. Uh, well, and so that's probably what I would tell myself. Well, I am so excited that I get to do this interview with you. I just adore you even more now that we've gotten to talk. And um, I look forward to definitely taking you up on that invite, even just spending the day watching the business and the creative side of it. Even um, I'm always wanting to learn. So uh, I think that it would be a fantastic experience for myself. And I will watch for opportunities that you have coming up with, you know, for the rest of this year that you have, you know, just have to step outside of your box for collaboration and and being able to share that with others and whatever that looks like. And um, I just wish you the most success personally and for the rest of this year. You know, I mean, it's just really unknown. We're already halfway through the year and we feel like we're just starting, really. Uh, Yeah. Maybe the new year is July 1st. (laughs) Yes, I I am. I have looked, that's what I kind of looked at the whole Corona thing as. It was kind of me starting over, new life. Um, Yeah. And if this new life is this, I'm going to adapt to it and try to do better and try to, you know, do what I can. uh, Yeah. Help others. Absolutely. Well, I've appreciated this interview so much. Um, It was so nice talking to you. And yes, we're too close. You need to stop by sometimes if you're ever in Jack's Beach. I will. I definitely will. Appreciate it, girl. Thank you. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a like and follow us at The Collective Pro. 